Extra Butter Podcast. Alright, Dylan, you ready? Oh yeah. Alright, welcome to Extra Butter, your podcast for great conversation and great movies. This is Cam. This is Dylan. And I was just talking to our guest uh, just before we started this uh, conversation. We talk about white whales often. Uh, mm-hmm. That is, in this podcast interview game, it's, 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 you're chasing, you're chasing this, this, this whale and you're just hoping, you're just praying that they take the bait uh luckily i have worked with tony on uh, madden oh man 19 19 for long shot 2 20 21 i think at that moment we had lost a member I don't, tony i don't know if you remember jezik but me and jezik got really close and jezik was like trying to train me up into doing what he was doing i got really close with mel and and danielle and they were like oh can we really want to bring you on and the minute my team heard about that they moved me off <laughs> uh, i was just like all right that's you know that's you're too good I, I guess uh either way i was really hurt but i also understood that it's you know it's the nature of the game uh but we have tony stanley with us uh there's not this man is a legend in so many aspects uh from his work on just the early uh stages of that disney, Re- disney renaissance period we're talking lion king uh Mulan he did some work on Hunchback Lilo and Stitch Brother Bear some forgotten work that like didn't even come out like My Peoples and I think there was a another uh like animated movie I think it was Jim and Tony correct me if I'm wrong it was at a different studio I think you were at EA and left EA to work at work on this animated picture it was uh what was, was it like a, a Jack and Ben Jack and Ben that's exactly what it was yep yep um and then on top of that is working video games going from uh, the early sprite days of like Pocahontas, Lion King on Sega Genesis, <laughs> all the way down to <laughs> Superman Returns, uh, NFL Street 2, NASCAR games, MMA, all the way to now Madden, which I get the pleasure of uh, seeing this man in office. Tony, how are you, man? I'm such a pleasure <laughs> to have you on. <laughs> I am doing awesome, Cam. And, and guys, thank you so much for having me here. It's a real pleasure. And Absolutely, man. Anytime you call me, I'm there, buddy. Oh man, dude. that means the world <laughs> to me, bro. Um, Dylan, I know you were watching some. Uh, when I told Dylan we were having you on, Tony, he went back and watched a lot of those uh, Disney movies that you worked on. Do you have any thoughts on those before we dive in, Dylan? Just oh, like you know, I feel bad for saying this because when when you got to to film school, you get roasted if somebody you told somebody like, "Oh, I'd never seen Citizen Kane" or something big. I've never seen uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I know that it was big for you, so I went and watched it, and I was like, oh, that was incredible. I don't know how I skipped <laughs> that for the last 30 years. <laughs> so it's it been still a, holds up. It it's still been, holds yeah, up, yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. And it's pre-Space Jam, and it's way better than Space Jam. Dang. You know what I mean? fighting words, man. It's I true. It. <laughs> those are fighting words, man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Tony, uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, I know Tony has a, uh, deck ready for just going through his career because of how amazing and extensive it is. So I know we start yeah. off in Wilmington, North Carolina, where you're, I think born and raised, right? 
I actually born there and ended up back there. My father retired from the military. Uh, oh, my wow. dad was Navy. So we've kind of bounced around all around the country, mm -hmm. which was actually really inspiring for me, but went back to North Carolina uh, when I was a junior in high school and finished up there. And wow. speaking of Space Jam, you know, Michael Jordan's uh, hometown. There it my is. Wife actually went to Laney High School. She was a year behind him. So what? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. She can't find that yearbook anywhere. It's worth the money. <laughs> That's definitely worth money. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but um, no, that's really, um, especially growing up and moving around so much. I think that was, you know, art played such an important part in my life because it immediately broke down any barriers, you know, for, you know, meeting people and going to new schools. And it was like, don't mess with that kid. He draws, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it was like, here, yeah, <laughs> my name's Tony. How you doing? Uh, but, um, it was, uh, no, it was always just been fun and just a blessing really. And just thankful that, you know, for 30 some years, I've been able to make a career out of it and, um, you know, do the things we've done. I put this whole presentation together, just kind of help. Um, I did this for a presentation I did at SCAD many years ago and I used it several times, but it, it's meant to kind of visually tell the story. So you're just not listening to me babble. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad to share. Let me, let me uh, share my screen guys and um, make sure that this is coming through for you. Okay. Let me know if it's um, viewable. Oh yeah. We're good. Oh, yeah. You're good. Yep. Awesome. Um, uh, really guys just, uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, this is um, hometown. This is a uh, mid eighties. Uh Man, my dad had a little small engine repair and that uh, I'd help him rebuild lawnmowers and outboards. And most time, you know, people around that area would have me paint stuff on the back of their boats. Uh, but we even, uh, the town was so small in the summer, you take a class and if you passed, you actually get your own school bus route. So you imagine a 17 year old kid driving, you know, elementary school <laughs> kids. But that's, that was us. Uh, we, uh, we literally had had a school bus in my front yard and I started up, go pick up kids and go to school, drop them off and go to class. So uh, that was the, the world we lived in uh, there. Uh, but um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and uh, there was a local community college that I went to. I actually stayed with my grandma, studied under a really amazing man by the name of Mark Patras, who really got me into painting and just all the fundamentals I needed. So the idea was just to, you know, illustrations. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but while I was sure. there, I actually discovered animation and Mark actually let me do a, um, a commercial as my final project. So I was learning how to animate and started piecing together uh, what I needed for a portfolio. And about that time I was introduced to this book, uh, which is kind of the Bible of Disney animation, the illusion of life. If you guys ever get a chance to read it, it is phenomenal. It was written by, um, Frank Thomas and Ali Johnson, they were two of the nine old men who were like the, the foundation. For oh, the yeah. I did my research. Those guys, like, I heard that you had got a chance to meet them. I don't know if it was while you were doing Mulan or before then. Yeah, it uh, was. Um, we were at Disney. Uh, they actually came through. We got to meet several of the, the, um, the nine old men. And it was just always incredible. And for those who don't know, like those guys are responsible for, I mean, Snow White and the Seven Doors, Pinocchio, Bambi, like it's, yeah. they're led, they knew Walt, like legends, you know? Yeah, they they worked for the man. And and what was great was when they retired, 
they had the the sensibility to put together this book on here's how we did it and mm. it, it not only goes in the fundamentals of animation how they built the movies but also biographies of each of the the key artists that actually came through i think i've read it probably six times in my career and each wow. time i've i've learned different things and be able to you know, understand it a little better here and there did you but, get to actually like like have a conversation with them or was it just like a meet and greet like uh a, a little bit yeah there, there are so many people sure um, uh but um i uh got to spend a little more time with Mark Davis, who is a phenomenal animator. And he ended up going off and doing a lot more of the Imagineering stuff to designing Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, wow. Uh, like the ride or? The rides. The <laughs> oh my gosh, stuff in there. that's so cool. So he actually came to an art show at Cal Arts and he was lost. <laughs> so I just <laughs> wanted me to talk to him. <laughs> so, brilliant, man. It was just brilliant. But um I, I, I kind of knew then, early that's what I really wanted to do, but I had no idea how to go about doing it. Uh, but at the time I'd started my own business. Um, I used to do custom airbrushing. I had a little shop in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina in the summer. In the winter, uh, it was at a mall up in Jacksonville, North Carolina near Camp Lejeune. And uh, just honing my art skills and painting whatever I could. I mean, it was mostly t-shirts and license plates in the summer and, you know, cars and motorcycles in the, in the wintertime. Wow. Uh, but um, just a little sample. You had to be quick to make money. Right? So everything was freehand. Uh, just to be able to just knock this stuff out as quick as possible. But um, I can't imagine the pressure of doing airbrushing like <laughs> while like a biker came up to you. It's because I, I feel like I'd already be nervous to like do this. And on top of like a biker's like watchful oh, dude, eye, you know, dude, my, my, my first week I actually started a, a smaller town, Carolina Beach near Wilmington. Mm -hmm. No idea what I was doing. And like the first week that it, it was the Hell's Angels hung out there. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, one of the members came up and he wanted he had a black shirt and he wanted the Hells Angels logo with a skull with flames going up the side. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it for you. So I'll come by and pick it up later. Sure. So I'm about halfway through it. And this great, I remember his name was, they called him Big Red. There's a great big old <laughs> guy, big red beard and hair. And, and there were other Hells Angels and they surrounded my store. And Red said, who are you painting that for? And I said, I didn't get his name, gentlemen. We have daily rides with you. And he let me know that they were very particular what they call their colors, which later I found out it, in, in professional terms, it was copyright infringement and they weren't happy about it. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he wanted to make sure that uh, I was not painting it for somebody and basically threatened to break my fingers if I was. Wow. And, uh, I was like, yeah, cool, no problem. And I just <laughs> went back to finishing it and I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> get a straight line <laughs> going through. Thank God it it seemed like like hours, but it was probably ten minutes. The guy finally showed up. He said, "Oh yeah, he's cool." Oh, and, uh, the big red patted me on the back. He said, "You're doing a hell of a job." They ended up spending like over a thousand dollars with me that weekend, just bringing me all kinds of crap. So I was like, oh. "Yeah." So <laughs> the pressure we go through, you know, making video games. <laughs> Nothing to you. You've had Big Red ain't in the office. You know what I mean? You've been threatened by the Hells Angels. So. Yeah, right? Yeah, true yeah. story. Jeez. Yeah. It was, 
thank God that guy came back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there you go. Probably get on the rest of my presentation. Uh, yeah, um, car hoods. You know, I did a lot of those. This back in the eighties, the low riders were really big. Uh, motorcycle tanks. This was a cart that I did for my nephew. Ended up wrecking it. Whoa! <laughs> the first race. Uh, but yeah, about that time, uh, Roger Rabbit. Seeing that, I was like, man, that's what I want to do. That was just brilliantly done, and I was seeing that it could be a viable business. How successful it was. So I started researching and um, found out about California Institute of the Arts, which was a school that Walt Disney had funded and had built in Valencia, California. And it's kind of the place where Disney directors and animators studied. Um, there are other schools that I looked at, but this seemed to, it was my calling. Their alumni list is, I mean. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it, it was incredible <laughs> being there. And especially, you know, a kid from North Carolina and showing up there, just, just eyes wide open. They just completed a section of Interstate 40 to Wilmington, and they had a sign out. <laughs> it was right near Laney, where Jordan went to school. It said Barso, California, 2,554 miles. And uh, my <laughs> girlfriend at the time, my, my now wife of 32 years, uh, Valerie, rode with me, and we had an amazing trip across country. But this was... Um, wow. 90. Yeah, look at that, man. Young Gray. <laughs> but uh, man, I was so blessed that the, the guys that are were surrounded by in this class and there's you keep still, in touch with any of these guys or oh we hang out, yeah. Actually, um Steve Gordon here. Um we just went out um for his wedding in May. Oh uh, nice Malibu and so every time I'm out in LA for mocap shoots, we get together and hike or do something. Um, Ted T is pretty much running the animation industry up in Montreal. John Rippa, story artist, Disney for many years, animator, did um, Treasure Planet. Uh, Sergio Pablos here is um, run Spa Studios in Madrid, mm -hmm. Spain. He he was also with us at Disney. He was responsible for Tantor and Tarzan. Uh, Professor Doppler and Treasure Planet. So nuts. <laughs> um, but even after Disney with his own studio, he's the guy to develop Despicable Me. Mm. Um, wow. Rio, a small foot, and recently, uh, two years ago, Netflix, uh, Klaus. So that was his studio. This is complete, oh. which uh, was up for Academy Award, won Banffa, but on and on. I mean, these guys uh, in this class, Randy Haycox at Disney, Eric Stefani was my roommate. And uh, Eric and his sister had a band called No Doubt that they would practice in the dorm room. Uh, yeah, Gwen's brother. Was wow. Married. So they would play parties for us at CalArts and <laughs> go hang out. And it Tony, was just uh, amazing just seeing this. Tony, at CalArts, did you find it cool later when they put the A113 joke, kind of the Easter egg into the Pixar films? Oh yeah, it, it, we looked for them all the time. And, th and that <laughs> classroom was renowned, man. That was like, that's where you had some of the best classes in there, right? In the, in the early days, they ended up moving it across the hall. But you know, for me, I, it was Ooh. guys like Chris Buck. Chris Buck, wow. Chris Buck would come in, he was working at the time, uh, but he would come in the evenings and teach and so would Mike Giamo. 
Uh, I learned so much from that man just about character design. And Robert Lentz was the story guy. And um, I was telling uh, Dylan, I think he worked on Shrek. I feel like I saw that on a... On his, yeah. on his, yeah, like, which is crazy, yeah. man. Mike Jamo was responsible for Frozen. I mean, mm-hmm. all these guys, and there were many more. I'm just, you know, give you an idea. Yeah. It's just... like, I mean, here's like an example, like Jamo's class. Um, this is so old, but the assignment was have a, make a funeral and make it funny. And so. <laughs> I'm just thinking that that's Big Red right there. It was Big and Red. That was what you see that all <laughs> Literally. I was back. I was <laughs> like, it's Big Red. That's, sorry, SOB scared a hell of me. There's a hell of a film plot in there somewhere. Right? With, a, with a biker gang and Big Red. I'm feeling that. Yeah. Right. We could we work on that later. <laughs> but uh, the, the guy that I, I truly, um, really love being around was Glenn Bilpoo. Uh, if you guys get a chance to check out any of his classes online, he is like one of the last of the master draftsmen. And- I did some research on him knowing that he did Fox and the Hound and, and things like that. I didn't know he had online classes. That's crazy. Oh, they're brilliant. They're, he Whoa. really has a great knack for breaking down the structure of drawing three-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. That was the key to getting in the animation was strong life drawing. And, and you really had to think of it like working out and you just did it over and over and over again, uh, drawing from life, uh, whether it was the models coming in or going to the zoo, you know, pound, whatever. But this is where I uh, really valued what this man taught us. Uh, and he also looked like my dad, so it made me feel at home, right? So he's such, wow. a, such a cool dude. Um, but I encourage anybody who wants to learn to draw, pick up any of his his manuals online classes they're brilliant um tony i have to ask like you being from such humble beginnings coming from from north carolina like you moving out to california did you feel a culture shock at all did you feel like man this is like so out of my element or was it just as easy as like no i I fit right in here like this feels like home almost like a home away from home it was really tough especially being away from valerie because Mm. um you know we were the idea was, you know, it was going to get through school and we were going to get married and move on, right? And, um, you know, being away from her 3,000 miles, she rode across country when we then flew home. Wow. And then um, uh, LA was big and scary, but the school was everything I wanted to be, the people I was surrounded by, the things I was learning. Gotcha. It was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Where I'm supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I felt that. I've just, uh, man, I, so thankful for because and looking back now it was really difficult to even get accepted to that school and, and just the odds of getting in so That's right <laughs> just looking at the talent i was surrounded by i was like, I was like how in the hell did i get it here i'll take it you know? <laughs> right i um, remember in studio you were talking about how uh i'm not trying to jump ahead but you were talking about how when you were working at disney it almost felt like you guys were like like recruits like 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 a like a top recruit out of like like a michael jordan so it's like to think about like you were maybe the best in your town and then now you're in this place where everyone's the best in their own you know selective area and you guys are all together it must be like a culture shock of like man am i as good as i think i am you know or whatever it is well it was cool because it constantly pushed you Mm. i mean you can see yourself once you get to that level you can start seeing yourself grow and if you weren't growing, you're out, right? 
Gotcha. So you had to be, and I loved it because it was like, how'd you do that? You know, just constantly pushing each other. That's cool. Some guys became faster than others. Um, you know, even in the illusion of life, uh, the old guys talk about it took an average of about seven years for an animator to really hone his skills and start to be skillful. And I think that's about where I was. Wow. By that time. But, um, you know, we were, um, things were going well. I loved it. And uh, thing is, we had a, a, a little bit of a, a shock, you know, Valerie and I planned on, you know, after school getting married, but quite honestly, it was best I could say guys that the trip across country was long and bored. So um, my <laughs> oldest son, you know, we were blessed with him that summer. And um, it was like, man, I, you know, best thing to ever happen to me, right? Of course. These two. And then um, I wasn't planning on going back and I was just going to go back to my airbrush business and do what I had to do. And man, I ended up getting offered the Walt Disney scholarship, which basically paid for my second year. And I was going to say, I know that school wasn't cheap. So, <laughs> no, man, no, well, it was cheaper then, but still it was a lot of money at the time. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, um, man, that was just a blessing. And that was Glenville Pooh and Bob Winkress at the time who honored me with that. And uh, Valerie, bless her heart, she's like, Tony, look, you're never going to get this opportunity again. And she knew that second year was important to start to be able to get the jobs. I wasn't sure. quite there yet. She said, look, I'll stay here with Christian. I'll live with my mom. Uh, you get through this year and we'll go from there. So, man, guys, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was to say goodbye and then drive you know, across country by myself you know, to go back to, to school. That woman yeah. is the backbone, man. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. amazing. Still is. She still is. Looking back, it was the best thing we ever did, but at the time we were terrified. And, sure. And so um, even while I was, you know, at school, I, you know, doing everything I could to get money coming in to help her. So I I picked, I worked part-time on a TV show called Prince Valiant. Um, I, you know, I continued my, um, my airbrushing a lot of hot rods and things around there and at one point um, i was airbrushing in the glendale galleria and there's some guys that came in more bikers <laughs> they wanted some custom leather jackets <laughs> uh for a movie that they were making um they invited me out to the set of terminator 2 and over it's probably about a month or so i just did custom jackets for the crew and uh so got to slowly watch them film and every time i'd go out and deliver jackets i'd hang out and watch them film uh so the the mental institution where sarah connor was or you know whatever and that was pretty amazing when i actually got to watch a scene with um uh, you know the team 1000 with robert patrick oh mr Longshot too yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think he was like a coach or a... Like yeah, a, he was a coach. And yeah. Being on the set with him, I was working on some paperwork in an office. He just walked in and introduced himself and sat down. We started talking and I was like, so how's it feel to be back in a mocap suit? And he's like, man, he said, it's been a long time. And I told him <laughs> story. We, we just, amazing man to talk to. 
Turns out he owns a Harley Davidson dealership in Valencia. Oh my God. No just, way. So that is so, so funny. When me you and my go there and my, get Harley shirts with the T1000 on it. <laughs> me and my my older brother Lee, we met him like last year or whatever at, at MegaCon. Uh, and that was like the first thing that he said to us was y'all like bikes <laughs> he's like i got this deal that's harley dealership and i was like what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's a really awesome guy uh but it was so cool seeing him in a mocap suit and reliving that and kind of going through uh, so tony so i remember being in office and i don't I, I don't know if you have you seen felix in office i don't know if felix is in office i don't know if you remember i haven't felix. seen felix no right so back when we were in studio, Felix comes up to me while we're working on, I'm doing some thing with a scene that is involving Robert Patrick. He's like, Felix is probably the biggest Terminator fan I know. <laughs> and he was like, Cameron, have you heard that Tony actually saw Arnold Schwarzenegger in the actual Terminator gear? And I was like, yeah. what are you talking? Like he saw him like the like actual, yeah, I have I was, to get this story. <laughs> like, I, I, was, I delivered some jackets. I remember it was late in the afternoon. And they were setting up the scene. You know where the, the the Terminator comes up to the guard shack and shoots the the guard in the leg. Yeah, they were prepping that scene. So um, I remember seeing Cameron laying down in the street with his lens and kind of getting his angles. And all I remember is I had to go to the bathroom. So I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking for Porta John, and I walked up the stairs. What I thought was a Porta John opened the door, and there's all these prosthetics of Schwarzenegger, you know, the flesh coming off, and you know, the the metal. I'm like, I am not supposed to be in here. I'm, excuse me, literally, <laughs> closed the door, started walking down the steps, and I'll never forget. It's one of those things in your life when all of a sudden everything goes slow motion. Yeah, I, I looked up and. It was like the sun was setting over the mountains and Schwarzenegger is walking to that that building in full Terminator gear. That's insane. Like just walking right by <laughs> me. And it was like, are you? Are you? <laughs> you know, it was, it was it. I would just say hello. And he kind of went in and did his business. Was like, that was cool. Yeah, it was, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the thing that struck me the most, like I'm as tall as him. All right. But he's hey! much oh, bigger. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> much bigger. So, yeah, I remember um, Felix coming over and just being like, he saw him in like the actual outfit. And I was like, that, that is insane. Yeah. We watched him film that night, uh, that scene. Um, and that was so cool. And those people on that set were amazing. So the guy's name was Rick Rader that I was dealing with, and they were responsible for building the sets and stuff like that. And every time we left there, they'd always give us their leftover um, catering food. And they would just load up my truck with boxes of food. So for college could, like, kids. Oh yeah, we did call <laughs> Arthur. It was like Thanksgiving. We're all yeah. just, you know, um, it was fun. But uh, you know what? It really opened my eyes to just how much work goes on behind the scenes of those those movies, and uh, it was inspiring. But uh, but still, you know, staying focused with um, what I wanted to do with animation. So just continue to um, you know push the life drawing, and, and these are just examples of things that are in my portfolio. And then, you know, after the second year, uh, Disney was coming through and uh, they were taking six people for the internship and I was number seven. Wow. And so it was a long drive cross country. Um, and uh, just continued to hone my portfolio. But in the meantime, I did um, some commercial work. There's, um, there's a book called Dinotopia. And I animated the last sequence here.
for this advertisement for so it was all done in color pencil. Uh, the idea was to bring James Gurney's uh, paintings to life. Uh, so that um, was one thing I'd done. And just continued to work on my portfolio and, and it was accepted for the internship for the fall of 93. Oh man, RIP old MGM. Look at that yeah. photo. Yeah, it was part of the tour <laughs> then, right? And yeah, I heard it was like a fishbowl or something. Like you could go in there and like see the animators or yeah, something. Yeah, it, it was part of a tour where you can actually see us working on the film. And it, there was a small area, but we grew. There were some trailers in the back that most gotcha. of the time that's where I was. Uh, but um, the internship was uh, three month, just crazy. Just every week you had a different assignment and you were graded on that. And then um, after that, they had um, asked us to stay on because they were behind on the Lion King. So we, we stayed on for a few months and helped them finish up. So I mostly worked on the hyenas uh, through that, just you know, clean up. That is like getting to animate to Whoopi Goldberg's voice has to be <laughs> I, uh, the I wish coolest. I could credit to animate for it. I was just doing the just, final drawings oh, and ended up on the gotcha. screen. Gotcha. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're using mechanical pencils. I mean, it just figured out, you know, it was 24 drawings a second. And, and we were sometimes, depending on the complexity of the characters, we're spending an hour, maybe an hour and a half per drawing. Wow. Um, knowing that that little fine pencil line when it ended up on the movie screen could be like this big, right? So uh, it was really meticulous work, but. For this to be the know. first, like, I, I, I'll tell you, so this is, Dylan knows this, Lion King is my favorite movie of all time. I have two tattoos based on this movie. I <laughs> Yeah, uh, next time I'm in office and I see, I'll show them to you. My my mom bought me the VHS and she, I think she bought me two or three because I wore them out. Cause I would watch oh it so many times. Like yeah. the Lion King is, to think that this is just your like first, I mean, obviously you had Prince Valiant, but like to have this is you're like, oh yeah, this is work on this one. And it becomes one of the biggest movies of all time. Like <laughs> it was crazy. cool. It was just that the studio at the time, we were just a support group for California and, um, so the whole can't wait to be king sequence was done in Florida. And then we did several things throughout here and there. But I think one of the coolest things about being in Florida was at the time, that's where you never knew who was going to show up, you know, sure. in the studio for tours. Um, and that was never got tired of that. But, but also just the people we worked with there and that just, the people that managed it, it was family. I mean, most of us were still kids. We were in our twenties and, you know, we were raising our kids, you know, kind of coming through there. It was was Natalie with you at this time or was it, was she still at home because it was an internship? Valerie. So or Valerie, um, sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But Valerie, um, she was actually in North Carolina during the internship. Okay. But every couple of weeks I'd meet her in Savannah and, you know, Christian. And, you it's know, amazing. We had together. But that was it, really. It was so. It was like, um, but after the Lion King, Disney wasn't hiring. They said, "Well, we'll give you a call when we need you." And I was like, "Well, damn, <laughs> you know." And <laughs> we kind of needed a job and insurance, and so there was a subsection of the studio called Animation Services, and uh, they offered me a job, and it was no brainer. I said, "Absolutely, I'll take that." And, and so they did a lot of stuff for the parks, but we were also doing some of the first you know, these video games. And it was all hand-drawn there at the time, the sprite animation. 
So, I mean, it was like, I'll take it. So, um, I always felt like when, like working with the animations that you bring into the game, obviously we have mocap, but I always feel like your posing is so good. And I don't know if it comes from this kind of work. Yeah, it was, because you're very limited on the drawings back then. So everything would count. And uh, it, it taught me a lot about going back to what they called the zero pose at the time, an idol, right? Mm-hmm. And working in and out of that creatively. And also because the, the screens were so small, your drawings had to really read. So it was a really great study uh, trying to understand that. Wow. But more important than me, it was like I had a full-time job. I was able to bring my family <laughs> down here. So we moved to Florida. Um, but um, so we did a lot in there. And uh, it was a couple years there. And then um, eventually I was asked to um, be an assistant under an animator by the name of Chris Bradley. Uh, who's working on Hunchback. So I, I helped him with uh, Quasimodo. And that was just an amazing time for me, just growing. Um, Chris was from Australia and, and he was probably one of the cleanest just animators I've ever known. I mean, he animated with a mechanical pencil. Um, and he just gave me so much freedom to the point where at the end, he actually let me do an entire scene myself and I never got credit for it. Was when Tony, I think I have the scene. Do, do you mind if I share screen real quick? I'm uh, sure. I absolutely. think I think I have it one second. Let's see. So what I've heard is it's this one where Quasimodo is swinging to go save Esmeralda. Oh, I wish I'd done all this. This is all James Baxter. I did this like scene that lasted like half a second after this when he rips the ropes off of her. Oh, really? So it's... Oh, no, this is not. I wasn't capable of doing this at the time. This was. I was thought like I had game. it. I was like, I heard it was this scene. I was like, oh, so right, it's it comes this out right part. here. There it is. That's it. Half a second. <laughs> Took me two, awesome. two weeks. <laughs> was, that was it, man. <laughs> Don't make it up. But, oh, man. Um, but I was so thankful for that at the time. But um, and Chris loved it. He got to go sit out at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing his job. Chris, if you listen, I love you. Sorry. Um, um, but uh, the um, let's see. But after that, it was um, I got accepted over to features. Um, there was we were ramping up to do our very first feature completely in Florida, and it was Mulan. And so there was um, an animator from California. He was, he was Glenn Keane's assistant for many, many years, uh, Press Romanellis, uh, ended up becoming one of my best friends. And we lost- I've heard he since, yeah, he since passed away, which is sad. Yeah, it, it, it just still breaks my heart. Uh, but he, he was a brother, man, and, and just taught me so much and gave me so many opportunities. So this was the, um, the crew. It was it's me on the left, Travis Blaze, uh, Trey Finney, and uh, those press on the right. And in the middle, that costume, that's actual Peregrine Falcon he's holding, but inside that costume is Paul Kashik. From EA? Paul. No way. Sculptor, costume designer. <laughs> at the time. And his costume was better than the one the parks made. This was his Halloween costume. Oh, jeez. And absolutely amazing. On wow. the right there is my um, 
maquette instead of my desk. So it just helped me understand how to draw the Shen Yu. Uh, but um, he was a difficult one to put together. And, and, and throughout Mulan, you know, that style of keeping it very flat, like Chinese paintings. Sure. It was a lot, but mostly focused on the Shen Yu, the Falcon, um, the Huns in the backgrounds. So a lot of the work was the Huns and horsebacks and really understanding, you know, horsemanship and how they rode because, you know, it was Genghis Khan's army and, and, and um, just they were so skillful as hunters on, on, hunch, on horseback. But these were, you know, a lot of things that I'd done. And then press was kind enough to give me a lot of the shots at the end sequence on the rooftop. Oh, that, that NC, that's so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What you're looking at here are, are charts. And so this is me planning out the drawings. So my keys would be one in 13. And I'm breaking up how the in-betweens would go. And then breaking up the timing with the head and body and the hands. And then just getting that that texture and the timing, if you will, but you know, planning it out. You're, you're looking at my cleaned up drawings. It, it was just a rough mess before all this, but um, that was fun. It was it was fun putting all that together. Awesome. And then, um, yeah, as you said earlier, there was um, you know Frank and Ollie coming, so this is, you know getting to meet those guys. And then uh, moving on to Lilo and Stitch. So I was assigned to Jumba, uh, working under a brilliant animator by the name of uh, Bolem Boshiba, who came to us from our French studio. And Bolem had been working with Glenn Keane on Tarzan. Um, there's so many Bolem scenes, you can't tell the difference between him and Glenn. But again, I was wow. working with somebody who, who Glenn had taught. So, you know, just kind of taking all that in and, and Bolem, just gave me some great challenges too. Uh, Lilo and Stitch was a completely different film when we first started. And Stitch was a intergalactic criminal that had a gang and he went around terrorizing the universe. And Jumbo, oh wow, <laughs> Jumbo was a bounty hunter, and we had based him off of like John Belushi from 1941. <laughs> so. Um, 1941 was such a disappointing movie. <laughs> I recently did like a big Spielberg watch and I got to 1941. Yeah. And I almost just stopped. I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know he's not happy with it either. But uh, yeah, but Belushi was great. And the yeah. rest of it was like, yeah, <laughs> just go through. But, um, you know, his character obviously changed later going through. But, um, there were fun moments. Uh, Chris Sanders let me do a few things. I actually got to put my family in there. See, Tony, I had this scene queued up because I, I heard about this. I heard that you had animated your. That is so cool that your family's animated. Yeah, this is my uh, Christian. He always has Game Boy in his hand, so I put a Game oh, Boy man. in there. <laughs> um, uh, Valerie and uh, Kyle was just a baby, and, and that's my dad. Oh so man, Chris Sanders was kind enough to. You know, I went in there with the idea. He had storyboards and just went in his office and he drew over them and got to put it in. For anyone listening, this is the scene where uh, Stitch is on the beach as Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> Turns around. Yeah. Um, but I have a few scenes here, guys. Um, if you want to look at some pencil tests. Yeah. Uh, these are just what I would turn in. So these are my rough drawings. I'd uh, 
you know, get them approved and then they would move on to clean up. But just give you an idea of showtime. That was the bounty hunter test earlier on. Uh oh. No! What did you say? That would be misuse of galactic resources. See, problem is we're just here for sure. David Ogdenstar has done the voice. We do not the jumble. Hmm. Man, I feel like all this work happens. Then, for if if they were to cut some of this stuff, has to be like, man, all that work. <laughs> like, well, these scenes were cut. Um, one coming up, uh, right? Too here. violent. Too violent. Too violent. There it is. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Oh. Was there a? how long was the delay to change the film's ending to change it from the the 737 and the city to the spaceship yeah uh the story behind that was we had actually finished that sequence just about done i think it was in color at the time uh and, and so if anybody's unfamiliar um we had a sequence where you know stitch actually when he's chasing gantu he went to the Honolulu airport and stole a 747 and they were chasing Gantu through downtown Honolulu, you know, literally skimming skyscrapers and, and such. And then, then 9-11 hit. Mm. There's no way, no way. Yeah, no shot. So um, credit to um, Chris and Dean for figuring out a way to restructure the story, and making it all work. So went back immediately and they were able to work it out where, you know, you know Jumbo was able to get a, a, a spaceship and then, you know, chasing Gantu and made it in a volcano field going through. So we were able to use the same animation data. Hmm. It, was a lot, it was early CG at the time that was kind of drawn over. I just remember hearing so many stories at the times uh, of films that got caught in that because there was even like early uh spider-man footage that had him webbing between the towers and then yeah even for uh i think doug lyman's the born identity they had a whole ending you know thoroughly done and they had to come back and and redo it and they were saying that there were so many people in the industry that were just predicting the end of action movies or big explosions because they just couldn't fathom putting something on that on the it screen was unknowns, like that. a lot of unknowns and for yeah. us i mean uh, we found out later that you know Disney World was a potential target, and that's where we were located. Mm. So it's just like, you know, we go to work, and <laughs> we were trying Jeez. to figure that out. Mm -hmm. But the the management there, the whole team, just we all rallied around that, and we knew we had to make that change, and, and we did. Uh, yeah. Around that time, throughout the '90s, I know you were not in live action, obviously, but. Was there a lot of ripples throughout the industry overall of the advent of CG pushing its way and, and pushing out a lot of, you know, model work and stop motion and things? Did you guys feel a lot of that change going on as well? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually talked about it here. Um, I, in, um, after Brother Bear, well, here, I'll roll into it and share with, but yeah, exactly. It's about this time we're starting to see the story reels for um, Toy Story. Mm. So we're starting to see the early you know, um, 
mathematics for that. But what was interesting, even before um, Lilo, kind of backing up here a little bit, um, my friend Aaron Blaze was developing what he was calling, you know, Brother Bear at the time. I think they were still searching for a name. And we're hanging out in his office one day and we were discussing, you know, these bears need to interact with other animals in the forest. And it was one of those things that just kind of organically came about. He's like, what if they came across some Canadian moose? And he was like, <laughs> I'm working on a test, right? <laughs> and um, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Strange Brew. These, I, Aaron and I, there are a lot of us, uh, Bruce Johns, we're all big fans of Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, and especially these two characters they created on SCTV. And that's kind of where John Candy, um, all these amazing comedians got their start. And uh, these were a couple of characters that they had made up and yeah, made the movie Strange Group. Just a couple of dumb um, you know, beer drinking Canadian brothers, right? <laughs> and so this was essentially a test that Trey Finney and I put together just to sell the idea. Is this and before they casted them? This test is responsible for casting them that's so dumb <laughs> it, it was um so we did that a lot when you're trying to figure out how to put a develop a character if you got an idea for who you wanted to do the voice mm -hmm. grab a bit of dialogue from an existing movie and do an animation test and see how it you know plays together yeah tony wait hold on uh this one i know i'm right uh, if you let me share screen i know i'm <laughs> sure. right i know i'm right you let me share a screen i heard that you had did a pencil test uh for mulan using this character tell me if i'm wrong oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't have it though i can't i cannot find that video anywhere um so that's um yeah i'll stop sharing but yeah i heard that and i was like that's tim like tim curry that's really tim curry. cool <laughs> yeah the um we were trying to find the shen yu at the time and at the time, we knew we were, we were looking at a lot of Frank Rosetta paintings and, and stuff like that. And we knew he was kind of loosely based on Genghis Khan. And uh, we had no idea of the voice. So I, I took a line from Tim Curry, and it was Legend with Tom Cruise. I think. Yep. And um, so if you imagine, oh, man, I've got drawings in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> the Shen Yu is on this mountaintop with his cape blowing in the wind he's leaning on a battle axe and all these huns are below him and he's addressing him so the tim curry line was looking upon these frail creatures one would not think that they would have such power what could rule the universe with it and then he falls down the hill like an idiot <laughs> um but that got me noticed by press and got me on the team <laughs> that's awesome and so it was like just having fun so so press press sees that and goes i want him on my team well it was actually aaron blaze who advocated for me at the time uh because he was part of the review board when they're they're looking for promoting people or taking them on as animation assistants and so forth and at the time people were doing standard tests you go by and get the standard dialogue or captain hook or whatever and people would do them and I think they just appreciated I did something different. <laughs> yeah. Because I was bored with what they had. <laughs> and Aaron just, just came in laughing. He's like, 
I'm introducing the press. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I was very thankful for that. It was just, um, and, and I remember press when I first met him, he said, I liked your test. It was crude, but I see potential. And he was right. That's you know, dope. <laughs> kind of took me in. because I mean, this man had been drawing for Glenn Keane for years, and my drawing ability was not anywhere near his at the time. But it was Damn. cool. I'm sorry to interrupt. Back to Brother Bear. No, no. I think you for, I forgot all about that. If I could find that somewhere, I, I, I got a lot of stuff on old videos somewhere I've got to dig up. Um, but with this, this test, I, so this was actually done before Lilo. Um, but anyway, um, at the very beginning of Strange Brew, uh, Bob and Doug are with the MGM lion and, you know, they're, they're cranking his tail. Um, and this is what we turned it into. Yeah, I think he's bummed out. Stick a pin in his bum, eh? No way. What are you on, Valium? Maybe, maybe I ought to crank his tail, eh? That ain't start him up. Maybe okay, ought... start up. Come on, eh? Maybe we ought to call start Martin up. Perkins, eh? Get Wild Kingdom here, eh? Hey, come on. Oh, jeez, you're getting mad, uh -oh. eh? Yeah. Oh, jeez, we better get home. So, it was a short test, but it was just enough to sell the idea. So just trying to understand the anatomy and how they would move. And, and it was also tricky. Um, let's see this. This was um, Paul Kashuk again. You guys see this? Yeah. Uh, Paul sculpted this for me. Uh, the thing with moose, you know, their mouth is so far away from their eyes. And ah. you've got to move the jaw from back here, not here. Um, and so a lot of times with staging three quarters, so you can kind of get that together. Very rarely we would have to you know, do this, right? Or yeah, or straight from the front because then you couldn't get anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot to learn there. Right? I was also wondering, because again, working with you on uh, the long shot games and face of the franchise, I remember spending weeks just you guys working out like a purse. Like just making sure a purse is like. So how did you guys get the like the the antlers to like? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll show you here in a minute. Um, that was difficult, um, but uh, it led to some really good things. But with this test, you know, Aaron was able to present it to the Disney executives and sold it on the idea, and um, then they were able to take this test and present it to Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, who were like, "We love it. We want to do it." But awesome. They had some concerns about Disney owning the rights to the McKenzie brothers. So there were some legal things we got through even in the script. So we weren't allowed to say, you know, take off, eh? And it became trample off, eh? And we couldn't <laughs> say hoser, it became hoofer, things like yeah. that, right? <laughs> uh, which actually helped the story. But um, these were um, some of my early studies, just trying to understand the anatomy and um, how to draw them properly. And, and how they would move, and then some early development of Rutten Two, and realizing I, I couldn't do all this together. And um, my buddy Bruce Johnson came on. He ended up taking two, and I took Rut. You know, so this is just trying to understand how we can do the mouth shapes. And with the McKinsey brothers, they kind of talked outside the mouth, eh? and they kind of helped with the moves coming through. <laughs> uh, but um, here's some uh, a few pencil tests. Oops, sorry guys. But yeah, you're, you're asking about the antlers. Um, they were incredibly difficult. And, and as you watch these, um, 
you'll never see all the work that went into these. The, the idea was the antlers were solid. Mm-hmm. And they moved with the skull. And if we hadn't have locked them down, they would have been floating and would have distracted you from the performance. The that you yeah. had the performance. Uh, this is me uh, learning Maya for the first time. The antlers were done completely in, in CG. Oh, I remember that all too well, Maya. You talking about <laughs> So we uh, basically roughed out the animation. And then once it was approved, I uh, put crosshairs on the drawings and scanned them and became uh, pulled them up as image planes in Maya. And then uh, I had a skull with the antlers and I would animate it as needed and then uh, print them out and we traced it. And uh, it's the only way we can keep them solid. Um, I wasn't that skilled to be able to do that without it, and, but it, it, it saved us. But anyway, as you walk through there, you, you'll be able to see uh, how they played out. Sorry, I was trying to put the volume up for you. Yeah. Just stay still, okay. eh? Hey, you two! <gasps> head down, head down! Oh, gee, I think he's seen us, eh? Now what? Act like we're not here! Oh, uh, we're not here! Shh! What are you doing, eh? Well, you said don't say anything! Shh! Oh, okay! I said don't say um, anything! Excuse me! Ah! Please don't eat us! You wouldn't like us, eh? We're really gamey! Yeah, eat hooper brains over there! Oh, nice, eh? Pinecone breath, crusty tail, twig legs, big nose! <gasps> sorry. You went too far that time. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not eating anybody. Bear was done mostly Greg uh, as a party. My name's Rob. Two other animators. We all split this up. How's it going, Bear? Don't call me that. Sorry, Mr. Bear. No, I mean I'm not a bear. I hate bears. Well, gee, you're one big beaver. Don't kid me. Do either of you know where the lights touch the earth? Yeah, no. Uh, no. Sorry, bear. I'm a beaver. I'm not a beaver. I'm I'm a bear. No, I mean I'm I'm not a bear. I'm a man. Excuse me. <laughs> I was transformed into a bear magically. I was lifted into the sky by my brother. Uh huh. But crazy. Because then I no. Fruitcake. Uh, okay. I, I could not wait no. to get to work. Every bit of dialogue we had was gold. Who whoever said you were? We understand. You do? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You see, we're not moose either. We're we're not. No, <laughs> we're like uh, we're like squirrels. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Beauty, eh? Uh, yeah. Well, he he's actually the squirrel, eh? I'm I'm more of a purebred Wolverine. Look at these cuspids. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so much. It's like visiting old friends, right? <laughs> um, but I. I, I think that was some of the stuff I was I was most proud of and, and had the most fun working on. Uh, Bruce and I were just laughing the whole time. And uh, the thing is, they kept they they loved what the moose were bringing to the film. They just kept adding it. So we were just about living at the studio trying to get that thing done. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just uh, Tony. I have was, to ask: Did you get a chance to meet Phil Collins? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is that man's a legend. I just had to. <laughs> he's, he's a real sweetheart of a man too. Um, he had um, earlier on when we were starting, uh, him and his wife had their first baby, uh, David, 
And, and so Chuck Williams, the producer, asked me to do a drawing of Rut and Toot with a baby in the antlers, and we sent it to Phil as a congratulations. Wow. And um, so when he came, we were done with the film, and he was coming out for the marketing end of it and the music video. He actually came by the studio, and, and he asked to meet with me and Bruce alone. He was just such a fan of the moose, and we didn't have long, but it was just a few minutes just to talk to him alone, man. It was wow, just, man. I don't remember what the heck we talked about. I was just so starstruck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd be so wide-eyed at that moment. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody took a picture that day and, and never got it. I, I have no idea what happened to it. Um, I'd love to have that picture, um, but it man. was just, it was awesome. And that night he was doing a, a thing called Show East. It's, Disney has a big party for all the theater owners, right, to show them all the Disney movies coming out. And they closed down part of the Animal Kingdom. And so my wife and I actually got to go out and they had a private um, concert that Phil put on that night at the Tarzan Theater. That's insane. That's so insane. And so afterwards, um, there was all these people and Phil was just over there standing by himself with a glass of wine. And so Valerie and I just went over and started talking to him and he was kind enough to get a picture with Valerie. And uh, so she's got a picture of him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, that was awesome. Just I love the music that he had done too. And that, I think to me, that was amazing. Just seeing how he would layer the music and just grow and grow and, and, and fit the, the movie. Yeah. I mean, he did it obviously with Tarzan, which is, I think his, that and obviously brother bear it tarzan he, was my favorite yeah tarzan isn't his work on tarzan is insane but i just feel like he put it's a running joke in like the younger community that like they always say like oh phil it's just a movie about uh, a guy that's raised by apes like you know don't it's not too serious and then he goes in and puts <laughs> his whole soul into it like yeah. <laughs> it's like every yeah. and then with on my way from big brother bear it's like he just puts so much effort into these child movies that like as a kid you're like i don't know what son of man means but this is awesome yeah. you know <laughs> you know aaron was telling me he was in a meeting with him he's like this opening song we need tina turner and they fly off and go get tina turner and recorder in sweden right um it was like that's cool that's that's really cool um but um after that was um my peoples and so this is a film that we never made um it was going to be uh, a hybrid film uh half 2d half 3d Whoa. And it was all set to country music. Uh, we were working with Dolly Parton and Travis Tritt. Um, Barry Cook was the director. He was one of the directors on Mulan. And uh, this was a, a film that was really close to his heart and loved the story. It was a love story where these um, folk art characters actually brought this couple together. And um, I really wanted to do CG. And, and at the time, it was like, Toy Story came out and, you know, it was doing really well. And we're all like, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> over. <laughs> I figure out how to do this 3D thing so we get jobs. Yeah. So we're all in training, um, you know, getting really proficient with Maya and understanding it. And I was looking forward to that. And um, Barry said he wanted me to do the 2D characters, um, Z. He felt I was a strong enough draftsman to be able to handle these characters. And so I looked at it like, 
yeah, I was a little disappointed I wasn't going to do 3D, but at the same time, I was like, this may be the last film I get to draw on. And I just, I was really appreciative of it. And the, and the characters I had were Mad Dog uh, Harper and good old Cousin Otis. And Mad Dog Harper, you know, was going to be voiced by Billy Connolly. Hmm. And wow. Man. How was, do you cut a movie that has that Dolly Parton's attached? Like, dang, that's. <laughs> it was, you know, it, the story had its struggles, but we were working through it. Uh, from what I read, it was like, from what I read, of course, it was like a, a retelling of like Romeo and Juliet or something. Yeah. That, yeah. The Hatfield and McCoys, the, the, yeah, a little mixture of all that. But it was, um, we thought it had a lot of potential, a lot of heart. Um, the studio didn't think so at the time. And um, it was heartbreaking. I, I still, you know, I've got my drawings of, of these guys and I, I'm just like, man, it, what could I have done? Yeah. I, I was just starting to do some animation when they they shut it down and, and eventually, you know, shut down the studio. And um, that was heartbreaking for all of us. I mean, I was there 10 years to the day they shut down the studio. And it was everything I've ever wanted to do and then have it gone. Uh, right. We, we all, it was pretty tough. I mean, there were opportunities out West and, um, you know, this was our home, you know, our family's close by and, you know, our, our kids were doing well and I just didn't, you know. Didn't want to operate. The idea of going to California yeah. didn't appeal to us yeah. at the time. And, and especially the cost that, you know, Pixar and the others were offering. Uh, so, um, yay offered us a home at the time. Uh, they were hiring and they wanted to up the quality of animation. And uh, at the time, they were hired for Street 2. So they, they brought a few of us over. And I had no idea what I was doing with games. I just knew that, you know what, this is going to be, I'll do this until I can get back in the movies and um, just take it on. That was my thought at the time uh, once I got in there I realized they really needed help storytelling and just a lot of the basic things we learned at Disney you know you're planning and, and putting together you know these moments they, they didn't have a lot of expertise there so the whole opening sequence of street I directed Yo, hey. I storyboarded all is all yours. Man, I wish they'd bring this game back. Stand there all day, you're gonna play ball. Man. Completely different from what I've been doing. <laughs> I, can, I, I can literally hear my mom now telling me to go outside and play. <laughs> <laughs> and that, 
that was a lot of fun though i mean we really got to push the animation i mean we'd get the mocap we had mocap actors on ropes you know going to side jukes and so forth and it was up to us to go back and add the weight and piece all that together um and it, it was incredibly talented small crew dustin hansen jason barnes i mean um you know Man. we put a lot into it but, but it turned out really good i learned a lot and um after that, they, one of the big reasons they were hiring and staffing up is they wanted to do this, which I wish I had that two years of my life back, man. I'm sorry for this game. It drained me. Man, this, we, we put together the cinematics for this thing, and it was all keyframed. And this, oh. I'm sorry, my you know fellow coworkers that worked on this, but they all know this was a hot mess. Yeah, everyone knows Superman Returns was. Yeah, it was. I honestly, guys, I I was. It put me through the ringer at that point. It was um, personally, it was a low point in my career and what we had to go through. Mm. The tough thing is, absolutely love the crew. I mean, we, you know, we got through this. You know, as we went. I mean, and we were doing some really cool stuff and, you know, some of the early previs and, you know, planning everything out. And we did most of the stuff we did that was cool. We got cut. (laughs) 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 Damn it. But um, yeah, honestly, guys, I I had had it after that. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. And um, uh, Leica was uh, starting up in Portland. And so... um, uh, uh, this gentleman right here is the director, Jorn. Uh, he was a Disney guide and Pixar story guy. He's basically the guy that put together Cars, the early version of it. But uh, Leica was doing stop motion and they're also doing a, a, a 3D film, uh, Jack and Ben. And, and so um, they had brought me up to do character designs and going through that and uh, some early right now, animation tests. This was a test with Conan O'Brien. Got an old man who's two apps away from a heart attack in lane six. And I got a 10-year-old heading straight for Slippery Town on the Express. On the Has this studio side. done anything else that we... It's, it's kind of giving me like Caroline vibes or something. like. It is. Yeah. This is it's the, the same? Oh, okay. Caroline, okay. yeah. Um, it was the last one with Hugh Jackman, uh, The Missing Link. Oh. They did uh, Kubo and stuff too, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant team of artists up there. A lot of great friends. Um Stop motion is where they end up really focusing on. Yeah. What was interesting at the time, see, this used to be the old Will Benton studio uh, up there. And then uh, there was a young man working for them by the name of Travis Knight. Travis Knight's father founded Nike. And, and so Travis wanted to be an animator. So this is where he worked. Uh, the, um, the Will Benton studios have money problems. Eventually, you know, the Knight family bought it out, turned it into a movie studio, and that's what like is today. And so it was really interesting at the time, you've seen the shoe company trying to run a film division, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, there were, it was a really tough decision. They, they'd offered us a job to move out to Oregon, loved it there, loved the crew. Um, quite honestly, guys, the best thing I can tell you is it was more of a family decision. Um, my you know 
school opportunities for my son, but also EA was like, hey, we're really sorry about Superman. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you come back, we'll let you develop new IP. I was like, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. So um, it was difficult leaving the, the folks and turning that down, but I, I did say no and um, came back and we had a little small strike team that we were developing ideas uh, under Chris Gray. Uh, so one idea was to bring back the old nuclear strike game. It would be like a, a robot as your co-pilot. Uh, there was some other off the wall stuff that we were coming up with here and there, just like a steampunk version of uh, Huck Finn. So uh, that looks like the best anime that never was. That looks that looks oh, so yeah, that, effing I'm cool. So I love that. Stuff. It was yeah. just a big think tank of things we could do. Oh man, that looks um, so cool. This was going to be like a think of like a Monopoly game where you actually dive in and play the games as it goes through. Um, oh wow! We also spent a lot of time with ESPN. We we're going to develop a game uh, based off of Moto X, and so like one of the coolest things I ever got to do was go out to the X Games and hang out for a week. It had access to anything that I wanted to go to, and what man, it was fun. It was like party at the House of Blues. Okay, yep. <laughs> I'm here um, for research, baby. Let's. They, 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 they led me up on the ramp where the skateboarders are going down, right? And it was like, it was really neat. And we came up a lot of things, and, and we just never got that one off the ground. Um, and then. Um, Paul Kashuk asked me to help him get involved with NASCAR. So this was a you know, simple thing, like just an earlier opening that we had put together. So we had the rights of Jeff Gordon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my uncle's favorite. He had a cardboard cutout that scared the hell out of us every, of time, Jeff we went past his, every yeah. time we went past his office. It was just Jeff like this. <laughs> so we had worked out, you know, this is really starting to understand how we can integrate live action with the game and, plan, and just planning it out better so that when it was all composite together, it felt like, you know, the real world. Hmm. And so Paul Kashik was our director at the time, helping him with that. And once we got done with that, we had one year left with the NASCAR license and the studio just wasn't, for whatever business reasons, decided they weren't going to move forward with it. So with this last year, they wanted to keep costs down and, and we had this idea brewing internally of what if we made our own version of like Mario Kart, but with NASCAR and, and Whoa. So, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> they let me art direct this. And this, we had a little small studio in North Carolina. So I, I went up there, just really incredibly talented crew. I mean, it was a small crew. Yeah. And uh, we built a prototype that took place at Daytona. And I knew I didn't want it to just be around a track. I wanted it to incorporate the area, you know, around the track. And, you know, Growing up in the South, I understood the sport. I used to airbrush these things on T-shirts all the time. And there's actually pieces right. of this, these cart racing were things I actually uh, used to airbrush on T-shirts. Um, people were always wanting NASCAR stuff. And I was like, it's going to take me too damn long to paint all that crap. I mean, you know, with all this. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just come up with cartoon versions, knock it out in like a fifth of time and make more money. 
And that's essentially what we do with this game. Um, so we built Daytona and the idea was you can leave the track and go downtown Daytona, jump over the drawbridge, go down to the beach was where they originally started racing <laughs> because the, uh, the beach is, the sand's hard enough. Go to the beach and then kind of make your way back to the track. And so we uh, built a prototype, presented it to NASCAR. They loved it. Um, and we got to make the game. So um, just things like putting together a style guide, comparing you know, how we, the real life would be to the cartoon versions, um, setting up like the heroes and villains. And so we came up with these villain drivers that you would race against. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, keeping it simple, this is for the Wii. So you're limited on the amount of polys and what you can actually render with. Hmm. But just understanding, like here it is, you know, the track layout, what we would do, and just a reference. And then we started doing, you know, concept paintings, what this could look like. So all the different tracks were unique to that, that particular area. So this was Dover, um, Bristol. You would actually leave Bristol and run through like the Blue Ridge Parkway <laughs> coming around. <laughs> um, there were some made up ones that would take place in the Grand Canyon, out in the desert. Uh, made one up a junkyard. Hmm. And, um, a salute to the military. Things like that, you know, it, it was That's fun. Cool. It was a yeah. lot of fun. I was really proud of the game, the way it turned out. And um, it sold really well. <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it was still fun to play. Uh, I love the mechanic that you can actually slingshot around each other. So it was yeah. a good family game. Um, but for me, it was really understanding more design, incorporating that with the art, and finding that balance. So the guys, you know, just working really closely together, just making sure it was fun. Uh, we'd work out the tracks, make sure they were fun to drive on first, the foundation, and we build up from around there. And to keep costs down too, we worked with a company in Vietnam for a lot of the art. So, and for me, that was a really hard lesson on communicating visually. Because mm. when things you know go get mistranslated, you don't know what you're getting back. I was getting back you know, marijuana trees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> E for everybody. You're going to fly, guys. <laughs> um, but I uh, just started refining a lot of that, which paid off later as we're going through. But um, after that, you know, completely different. Uh, got pulled on to help out with cinematics on MMA, which was our, you know, uh, before we had the UFC license. And so this was... Um, Rocky Rivera, working with Rocky when we first got there. And this was a tough one. I mean, we put a lot into this one, but we were really proud of the way this turned out. That paid off. That was a great game. It was, <laughs> game was awesome, yeah. I fun and pulling your names, but I mean, the gameplay was there. Right. The story mode was fantastic. I don't know how you got, I forget who the, was Bass Lerman? I forget who you got. It felt like he was like, the acting was so good. Like, I was, I was like, oh, wow. He did you know, <laughs> There's an interesting story with that. So the the original guy that was supposed to, to get you through all this was Randy Couture. And oh, was he, it really? Randy wow. was going to be your narrator. Um, brilliant fighter, not a great actor. Uh, <laughs> he just, Boy. there's a reason he doesn't speak a lot. In the <laughs> um, 
Tony, were you in the booth like direct? Because that's got to be awkward to tell a man that could like rip your skull off to be like, ah, I need you to do that again. It was the most terrifying <laughs> thing that ever happened to me. Um, well, we had Boston for another role and we had lunch with him one day and it was just, he had us stitches laughing, just really approachable, friendly, just wanted to give everything you could to this, right? Yeah. He's just such an amazing personality. So I remember after lunch, it was, we had recording time with boss and I, I went to uh, Rob Heider. Love that man. I just the producer at the time. And I asked him if we can get boss to read um, the bit where he welcomes you to the gym, the whole thing. And uh, he said, yeah, let's give it a try. So he let me go in the booth uh, with boss. And I remember having a script and, and the, the yeah, it was that he was reading the script and it sounded like he was reading. And so I had to step in. I said, yeah, that was terrifying. Like, yeah, this man can rip me apart. I'm like, boss, I'm sorry. I said, this isn't working. I said, look, these are your key points that we need you to hit. Do you think you can wing it? He's like, yeah, no problem, Thorne. I got you. So I remember <laughs> sitting in the booth with him and I, I told him basically, I just need you to welcome the player talk about the fundamentals of MMA, what, what sports make that up. And then there were a few things down the line. So I remember putting this videotape on and this was first take and this is what we ended up shipping with. So what you're looking at is boss in the booth. And then later on, I had an actor emulate him for the raw mode cap, which we ended up cleaning up. Mm. It, it was, we're much better now, but um, give you an idea. First of all, we got to learn the basics. The basics are the most important thing in mixed martial arts. Actually, the basics are the most important thing in everything. The foundation of a house. If the foundation of a house is not right, boom, it will eventually crumble. And you do not want to crumble in a fight. So, there, there so that's him cool. with you giving him an outline, but just him improving almost like just that's cool. Yeah. And, and it to me was a really valuable lesson in realizing that it's really difficult. These athletes, I mean, they don't go to school for acting. Right. right. And so anything you do to make them feel at home and, and be themselves. And it went so far. And so I learned a lot that day, even though I was terrified. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, what we got was gold. Yeah, and um, love the man. I got his phone number. It was really cool. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, he brought so much. We ended up basically that whole because of that. That that whole career mode was run around boss as your main guy, and then you can branch off and go train under other trainers as you went. But we were also figuring out the modular animation system like reusable staging because we didn't have time to do customization for everything so if you look through that a lot of it is the same body data and the staging the cameras as you go through but it was just enough to get you in the game set you up for what you needed to achieve go do your thing and then come back and get that information gotcha. so um it was um you know with you know you go to yeah, randy's gym you know, i remember this uh, militich you know the gracies i mean it was just it was fun. I mean, you're learning all these really intricate, you know, moves and, and, and how to piece all this together and what MMA is really made of. And I think I appreciated that most, the access that we had to the, uh, the athletes, they would come visit and what we learned. And we all took it really seriously. I mean, 
even you know the animation team we were taking uh, like executive mma classes you know, to, to understand wow it's just um you, you really had to, under, had to know how to do that yeah um after that guys uh i got pulled into you know football for the first time so the studio let me art direct uh, blitz and worked with legendary mark Tremell, who made the very first blitz so this was ea's remake of it uh going through so really pushed hard to stay as true uh artistically to the style of the original blitz but modernize it at the time so i, I won't play this whole thing guys but you, you can go online and look this up but there's a uh, an interview with me on the um the art style at the time oh i missed that hair <laughs> <laughs> um, but um we've um just kind of going through comparing what we do with the main menus, you know, players walking in, talking trash, and just try to modernize. But if you look back at the original Blitz, it was the same setup, right? Yeah. So uh, we look at the color palettes, uh, the font styles, you know, load screens, everything. Man. So um, the, the yeah. transitions going through. That's awesome. And, and so... A lot of this at the time, I was learning After Effects to do motion mock. So all everything we did was planned out in After Effects first, and then we figured out a way to actually bring that into the game. Uh, because to me, the UI was first time really diving into UI, but the UI had to hit as hard as the players were hitting, right? So it was just moving fast, recoil, snappy sounds, yeah, that stuff, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that was all really important. The feedback and the way everything came in. Um, just be able to make these the, the custom players and the, and the you know the, the mascots that would come in it was a fun game but there were limitations that the NFL put onto us we you couldn't do a lot of stuff original blitz did mm. so the studio ended up not really selling this way you know full price and uh, it was disappointing it was a it was it was a fun game it just didn't didn't do a lot yeah, but uh, uh, be quite honest with you guys, it's been Madden ever since that. <laughs> so, um, I've uh, done a little bit of everything uh, in the early uh, years through here. It was mostly art direction, and then um, seventeen was the first one I, I completely art directed myself, and. One thing I really liked about what came out with that, I was able to work with a gentleman by the name of Ian McCarthy, who um, he was the motion graphics guy for Thursday Night Football, who I'd met when, on one of the scanning trips. So while Ian, uh, Ian was literally traveling the country with Thursday Night Football, he's working on motion mocks with me. And these are the kind of things that we put together. Yeah, when you introduced, those were so sick. Like, I remember... Because I didn't start on Madden until 19, the Antonio Brown cover. And I remember playing like this one. I was like, what is this? <laughs> we were trying to do something different, incorporate the camera moves and then how we actually put that in. But really, I mean, this is just a motion mock, but the team had to make that happen in real time. And it turned out brilliant, man. I, I, I love it. It was a different way of introducing the, the, the team and the players. Mm. And we were also... Um, looking at ways of actually, you know, bringing the, uh, the mutt cards to life. So these are all just mocks 
and you know what I loved about anything that we do. I mean, just the access that we have with the NFL. I mean, these are you know, sideline passes. Uh, just getting there. These are my photographs and uh, going to study with Mike Young. But just we take this seriously, trying to understand everything we can about the game and the access to the players and just be as authentic as possible. And then, you know, little side things like I, a lot of people don't know is if you're a fan of the team, um, I'm a Bucks fan, but being from Carolina, our, our home Steve always Young? Split, right? The studio let us, uh, allowed me to go to uh, Super Bowl 50. Yes, it's Steve Young and his son. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that um, the morning of the Super Bowl, uh, we were told that Steve Young wanted to meet with us. And, and so he met us in a little lobby area there at the hotel downtown in San Francisco. Uh, he's with his son and he was dressed for the game already. And uh, his son had an idea to, to raise money for his dad's Forever Young Foundation. Mm -hmm. It was including mutt tournaments and things. And we were able to quickly work out all the details and support him in any way. And he was like, guys, whatever I can do to help you. And we worked that out. And he, um, he said, well, we got some time. What do you want to talk about? So we <laughs> Just talk about the game with Steve Young that morning, right? It was just yeah. this coffee. Oh man, it was incredible to have that time. And at one point he goes, by the way, he said, How am I rated in Madden? And, <laughs> you know, the guys are like, Well, you're you're one of the top rated quarterbacks. And uh he, you know, he was just a dad at that point. He kind of looks at his son, he's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, look at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that day, uh, I'd asked him, you know, after the game, you get to take a break. And he said, yeah, you know, you work for Disney. So we're going to take a little trip down to Orlando. And I said, well, that's where we're at. And uh, Sean Grady worked it out where they come to the studio and he was going to meet everybody. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out him and his wife were huge uh, Disney fans. Uh... And so when he came, I did this drawing for him. So everybody got Steve young's autograph and he got mine <laughs> yeah. i forgot to get his autograph so brother cool. bear man <laughs> <laughs> but his, his son's a, an awesome kid but i don't know if you remember that day he just met everybody signed anything and yeah super nice guy super yeah really inspiring man um the picture below is inside the um the broadcast trailer for thursday night football hmm. Things like this, when they would come to Florida, we'd actually go hang out with those guys and see them, how they they piece together the, the show. Incredible amount of work that goes into that. Um, but uh, yeah, Cam, after that was um, this crazy uh, thing that we were taking on, right? Long so, shot. Um, this was Mike Young's vision. Um, I miss Mike, man. Yeah. That was some cool yeah. stuff. This was... Uh, this was a, a beast, but man, it's something we're all really proud of. Uh, helping Mike with the early storyboards and then introduced him to two of my colleagues from Disney, uh, Tom LaBaff and, um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on his name, Woody Woodman. They came on to develop the storyboards and then, you know, long shot. I mean, there was, it was a lot of work. I think we had one of the largest animation crews in video games at the time. 
It was because at the time it was like I'd never seen a sports game where you could kind of almost like select your own story. There were so many like shot chunks to these sequences. Yeah, it was shot crazy. chunks is a word that yeah, it was a word that we made up. Yeah, <laughs> we couldn't think of a better word. We needed like sh- shots wasn't going to work. We needed like a series of shots that we can plug into the game engine that could branch. Yep. So Tim Keon coined the term shot chunks. And we still use it this exactly day. like I, Tim says it so much that to me it's like gold. Like I, I don't yeah, yeah. you know the rest of the world's like what? Um <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's um it, it's actually in our all our database shot chunk. Yeah um, but um this we we learned a lot uh what to do, what not to do, really got good at actually putting these things together now. And the crew I'm just so thankful for. Um you know, and a lot of this, we, you're building up our team in, in Shanghai, which I'll get to, but we were, um, for the most part, you know, a lot of this is working with stuntmen and uh, the actors, you know, just to be able to piece all this together. This is the type of stuff I do now. And with um, the story modes, you know, we take the acting really seriously. So, you know, the studio's been great about let us audition and work with really great talent going to Los Angeles and, and getting the best we can. I mean, you know, uh, this is an audition we've done uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, obviously- Talent speaks for itself. I mean, Deadly, Joey King was yeah. in it. Like, yeah, we got some heavy hitters that have been in, <laughs> been in our games. Uh, absolutely, man. It was just like, you know, Scott Porter. Yep. Um, Barry Corbin. Um, Man, we were on the set and Barry Corbin and his wife asked if they'd go to dinner with us. My wife was in town. And so we got to go to a little Thai restaurant and try to keep up with the man drinking all night. (laughs) 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 Incredible stories. I mean, it was just like, he asked me one point, he said, you ever driven a stagecoach? (laughs) 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 Let me tell you, that just this horror story that happened to him i have to tell you sometime but it was, just, <laughs> it was fantastic but um so thankful for that the, the talent that actually brings to this and i've i've got to have a really great appreciation for that you know as an animator over the years it was always me to interpret that and piece it together and then and be able to rely on the other talents and their choices um, learning how to give a framework for them to actually grow and have a springboard. Um, really learned a lot from that. It's been really cool. Um, but we're, um, you know, for our crew, you know, after we get all that data, you know, this is pretty much us um, literally scattered around the, the globe uh, in China. At one point, we had a team in England, but Vancouver, Los Angeles, Texas, Orlando, uh, upstate New York. And, you know, just a little glimpse, you know, some of the crew here and then. Oh, man, look at the team. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's crazy. And then, you know, before COVID, we we would take trips. um, And I would put on football classes for the animators, you know, just like, you know, we were studying with MMA. I've always been a firm believer is, as an animator, you physically got to go out and at least try to understand what you're emulating. And there's a lot of times we can't capture everything in mocap. 
for instance, we're not allowed to throw a football on the set because the football cameras could actually break the cameras. As well. right. <laughs> so I rely on the animators to fill in the gap. So I took deflated footballs with me to China. And we got this park in the middle of the city in Nanjing. Luckily, we had a nice day. It was guys against girls. We were learning to throw spirals. And then I look at her, look at her form. Look at her oh, form. The girls, <laughs> kicked, the girls kicked the boys' butts that day. Dang. I brought the NFL hats with me as swag. And they, oh man, they were like tearing it up. I got close to here. One girl had like her earring ripped off. There's blood coming down. Wow. But uh, we put uh, blue chalk on the football. And it was a competition who get closest to the bullseye. After it's still like the QB goal. challenge. That's so awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Eventually, we had like the whole part, like people like on the fences watching us. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. It was just a great team building thing. I, I loved going over there and you know, spending time with them. It was just amazing, amazing crew. Um, guys, I'm wrapping up here. It, this is uh, – think it may be over but this is um just one thing i love sharing is i had the honor of being a, one of the co-authors for the animation merit badge for the boy scouts of america um it's something i grew up with both my boys are eagle scouts i was a scout leader and just kind of be able to finish that up and so this is something young people can actually take and learn about the animation industry and actually go through and um actually do some you know, tests and if that's something that interests them, kind of learn more about it. And that kind of came full circle with me. A few years ago, I was at a convention and I ran into Glenn Vilpu, who used to be a scout leader himself. And I was able to give him the animation merit badge for wow. me all those years. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, it was just, it was awesome to be able to do that. Uh, but, but really just, I hope anybody gets anything out of this as, you know, seeing where I came from and what we're able to do. If there's something, no matter what you're doing, you, know, you, you want to be an artist, an animator or whatever, don't give up. It just, you know, it takes time um, to do what you want to do and surround yourself with positive people that are going to help you get there. And while you're doing that, remember to teach and because mm. that you will, you will learn actually coming back from Phil Collins, right? There it is. But, um, yeah. it, it, it's something that um, I live by and truly believe and, uh, you know, respect that from, you know, people that work with me and, and it does work. So um, that's it, guys. I'm going to stop sharing. No, <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at today. That's uh, awesome, man. Um, I, I, I'll, before we end this, I'll share a story and Tony, I, you probably don't even remember you said this, but it stuck with me. Uh, we were in studio. And for people that don't know, like, Tony was pulling, and probably is still pulling late nights. Like, I thought I was getting out late at, like, an 8 o'clock. I'd be done at, like, 8. I'd look over at Tony's desk, and he's still standing there. Like, especially during Alpha Week, like, Alpha and stuff like that. You're still in there cranking at these late hours. And you walked by the desk. Uh, my desk and uh, Felix was over there, Nelson, all those guys. And I don't know what was said, um, but you looked at Nelson and you said, when you reinvent yourself, the possibilities are endless. I don't know what the context of that conversation was, but that statement, like, I, I, again, 
throwaway statement for you. You went back to your desk and continued your work. But that to me, and in, in hearing your story, like you've gone from, again, humble beginnings, airbrushing to early 2D animations. Now where you are with, you know, mocap and, and, and video games, you are continuing to reinvent yourself and still find love in what you're doing. And I, I find that so inspiring. I just want to thank you for thank so you. much for the work, man. It's, it's. You're, you're you, welcome. And thank you for, for all you do and, and this to be able to be able to share. But yeah, I do believe in that. As you grow older, I mean, as you have accomplishments, you, you can't, you can't rest and you, you just can't rely on that. You have to continue to grow. And this industry is growing the tech. I mean, you got to exactly. grow with it or you get left behind, but you learn to embrace that and then figure out how you can actually work with it and, and grow and, and then, you know, bring others along. But at the, the same time is also really appreciating the people around you and learning how to use it, work as a team. So I, yeah, I realized long ago, I can't do this alone. Right. You have to surround yourself with talented people and train them and inspire them because they're the ones that are going to carry you through. Um, it's not easy. And yeah, th those were some long nights on long shot. And, and I'm, I'm, I can't do those hours much anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, thankfully so. Do, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're <laughs> still doing a, you know, a lot when we have to, but it's something that we've, um, we've really gotten a lot better at is pulling in the creative and expectations, uh, realizing that a work-life balance is important for everybody. And we expect a lot for the time that it, when we are working, but then there's times where you have to spend the time with your family, get re-energized, do your own art. Um, you know, that that's really important for me. I, I still do drawings and paintings and, and just try to grow as an artist outside of that. Awesome. But um, yeah, I, 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 I do believe that you know, for me, I had to reinvent myself because there was, um, you know, there's also the business end of it. And also you got a family to provide for. And there it wasn't, um, the 2D thing was gone for the most part. And so you, you have to, and then it's scary at first, but once you make that, that jump and then start realizing, like I said, when I first got DEA, I was like, this is just going to, this is going to hold me over until okay. I get back to film and come to find out this is where I was needed. And that was, um, and I needed them. We were able to grow together. I mean, gaming is still such a young industry compared to films and we're still figuring things out. I mean, these story modes, they're not linear stories. They branch and they're so difficult. And how do you create that context? And especially for Madden, we got a year to do that. In. So, I mean, it's right. just, um, it still amazes me how this amount of stuff we put in this game and still runs. We still get it out every year. Every year this thing every launches, year. man. <laughs> but um, you have to find ways of actually working quickly, effectively, and do it well. Because um, um, and, and you just have to keep pushing yourself for that. So, yeah, not giving up anytime soon, man. I still love this. Awesome. <laughs> so, Dylan, I know I didn't want to end with, I know you had some questions, Dylan, about live action, like the the change that Disney's been doing with live action, joining like Mulan live action, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, this is, I, it's so awesome to have you on, Tony. This is literally the first podcast I've ever done where I actively took notes 
And, and I was just over here like, oh, what did he say? What was that guy's last name? I'll tell uh, you, man. I'll be in office. It's, it's Tony awesome, would be man. dropping gems. Like so many, so many cool stories. Yeah, uh, Cam and I, we we're kind of trying to come up with you know kind of general questions to ask each guest. But you're an excellent guest to ask. What is your thoughts and opinions on what's going on with taking these Disney Renaissance films or any of these animated ones and making them into live action? Is it something that you agree with or is it something that you're kind of against i don't have a problem uh you retelling stories as long as it's good i think um you know making it so that the modern audience you know, you know can take it in um you know i thought lion king was pretty good well done it was john pavro mm. um Pinocchio, not so much. <laughs> um, as long as it's done well and true, um, I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. I, I I still like what we did better, right? It's just, but um, I don't know. It's it's also just kind of keeping it out there. I think if people watch it, and they'll go back and watch the originals and kind of compare it and still see. Um, but um, it really doesn't bother me as long as it's done well. Hmm. Makes sense. I know. I know. Like I had heard uh, that when Mulan came out, obviously we loved it here. But I heard that like overseas, maybe in China, it didn't do too well. But then like hearing stories from certain people in China, especially women in China, I don't know if that's the case. I feel like for them, that movie meant so much. You know. So it's. You know, it was interesting uh, when I first went there. Um, I was asked to do it well at the beginning of this presentation i presented it to the studio and when the disney stuff came out all of a sudden all the cameras came out and i was like i i touched a nerve here and afterwards just everybody lining up to take pictures with me and it was really fascinating the majority of the, the studio there was women and we were always told that mulan didn't do well in China. They didn't like it. And truth is, they didn't make a lot of money there. And the reason they make a lot of money, people had no money to go to the movies. Then they pretty much saw it. Mm. Like that's the way they they looked at it. But what was shared with me is was exactly that. Cam was um, that movie and, and the whole Mulan is so ingrained in their their culture. Um, it really inspired them to do more as women in their society than what. You know, you know, they're expected to be doing right, but for those young ladies, it also inspired them to be animators. Who eventually I got to work with, and that was just like, man, we, we still stay in contact. I absolutely love them. Uh, they, they, it's another part of my house. I bring it to you. But last time I was there, they gave me an authentic uh, Mulan doll. What? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. It's That's just awesome. Dress and. Um, but um, yeah, that was um, yeah. It's always really special to hear that. I just love that culture. But the live action movie, I, I was a little disappointed what they did with the Shen Yu. <laughs> yeah, know, it's it's, it's tough, man. If I, if I don't hear Donny Osmond's voice, it's hard for me. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard, hard yeah. to stomach it. You know? Yeah. Uh, but Tony, again, I. Thank you so much for for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for sharing your gift to the world. Again, I, I 
your work has inspired me in ways that you'll never understand. So again, I, I appreciate you, sir. Um, it was my pleasure, Cam. Uh, yeah. Dylan, pleasure meeting you, man. And guys, you thank too, you man. so much. Uh, God bless and uh, wish you guys the best, okay? Yeah. Until then, it's been Cam. It's been Dylan. And this has been Extra Butter. I appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye.